0: Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Surprise! <laughs> <We> warned you. <laughs> oh, at least we tried. By the way, check the chat, Eric. Anyways, good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening and or watching, and welcome to the official W2M Network debut of BWSR, the Broadhurst Walken Sports Report, Sports in Black and White. I'm your host-ish with the most-ish. I'm Harry Broadhurst. I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of me over the W2M network over the last couple of weeks and will continue to do so going forward. Joining me, as per usual, he is the DSDO from the KO. Eh, I like how that worked out.
1: He is your executive producer. He is Eric Watkins. You think that they're going to see enough of you? You see how many shows that I do around here? <laughs> Come on now. It? When, when do you sleep? When? I mean, it depends. If there's European cricket on, I'll sleep later than usual. We'll talk cricket a little bit later on in the show. Dun-dun-dun. Dramatic reverb. I gotta right. pull that sound effect over, but that's yeah, for let's, next week.
0: Let's, uh, used gimmick is used. We'll get to that later. All right, so here's the breakdown, folks. Uh, we are the two driving voices and forces behind the kickoff originally. Uh, I was always the original host of the kickoff. Eric was always the original was always the original co-host of the kickoff and was at times uh, put into the role of executive producer on the kickoff be- before becoming full-time producer as well. And one of the things that Eric and I always talked about when we were still doing the kickoff was is that both of us have a varied interest in the world of sports. Uh, Both of us tend to watch a lot of different stuff, some of which is not necessarily mainstream culture here in the United States. A lot of it is. The BWSR, the Broadhurst Walking Sports Report, the intent of this is going to be to talk about what's what in the world of sports. The pilot episode of BWSR actually included alternate commentary on Game 5 of Jazz Clippers from the NBA playoffs last year. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that was so fun
0: I got very salty very quickly in that game <laughs> I needed my Morton's Anyways um, So that'll be something else that we do intend to do Here on BWSR is we're going to provide Occasional alternate commentary streams For different sporting events I mean, there is this one really big tournament Coming up in Cutter here A little bit later on this year Perhaps,
1: maybe November 21st-ish, I believe that's a start date. It may be the 18th. I will double-check. But yes, it's still happening.
0: The point being is that even if we aren't able to do games live, maybe the two of us watch a couple of games, possibly on delay and on demand. I, I believe ESPN has the broadcast rights, correct?
1: Um, actually, for the World Cup, it's Fox. Oh,
0: so one would think that the Fox Sports app would have all of the games on demand then. So mm-hmm. maybe if Mr. Hate Mail himself can find it in his, in his busy schedule, the three of us could do alternate
1: commentary to the Team USA games. Um, pending. We've talked about this on Soccer to the Max. Let's lock up qualifying first. Currently we'll look at that currently
0: in second place in CONCACAF, correct?
1: Yes, right up there with Mexico behind still unbeaten Canada. Who would have thought? What's that all about, eh? Direct all (laughs) direct
0: all your hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com. Anywho, so the intent for this particular show is going to be to cover the world of sports from our perspectives, as well as kind of taking a deeper look at some of the more pressing topics that are going on in the world today. In addition, as Eric kind of hinted towards a little bit towards the start, we do intend to focus on a sport of the week, which will be our opportunity to bring you guys sports that maybe most of mainstream Americans don't watch. Uh, Eric has selected cricket for this week, so we will get into that there. In two weeks, Eric's pick is going to come to you in full screen as well. And the reason for that being is it's the start of the 2022 AFL season. In this instance, AFL stands for Aussie Football League or Australian Rolls Football. So we'll get to Aussie Rolls.
1: Melbourne, I'm gonna be very salty. I have a feeling. Be prepared, the Mortons will be out in force. I mean, if it makes you
0: feel any better. My ruse sucked last year.
1: Well, I've heard some good predictions. So we'll get into the meat and potatoes of that in a couple of weeks. You might be surprised.
0: North Melbourne, I believe.
1: Go Kangaroos!
0: (laughs) I just like them because they're the Kangaroos, honestly. I do actually understand more of what's going on in Aussie rules than I do cricket. But I'm starting to get cricket thanks to somebody's tutoring lessons. Speaking of which... Rick's TNT LLC is a proud sponsor of the BWSR. We'll talk more about that later as well.
1: All right, let's get to it, shall we? Yes. Oh, boy. We've got quite a bit on the docket this week. And in case case you haven't noticed, normally we would be gearing up and we would be going into spring training right now. Normally we would be a few weeks from opening day about that this year that's not happening because the owners decided you know what we want a little bit more out of this cba you're not going to give it to us so we're going to go ahead and call for a lockout that lockout is still going and still going and in the past week not only has mlb decided that they're going to cancel spring training games which they did and they're going to more than likely cancel more because their original date was March 7th, they canceled the first two series of the MLB season. So, no scheduled opening day on the 31st.
0: Excuse me for a second. I need to check my calendar because somehow it turned into 1994 up in this pitch. Eh, more like
1: 1995 if we're getting technical, the back half, but same difference.
0: I mean, granted, there's still hope for a season this year like we had in 95. 94, it was the labor stoppage that cost us the World Series as the season halted during the year. But that wasn't a lockout. That was a strike. Mm -hmm. That was the players refusing to play rather than the owners refusing to pay them. In this particular instance, it is the owners that are putting their collective foots down and, frankly, making everybody involved look like a bunch of gigantic freaking babies
1: especially the likes of Rob Manfred saying they've only been working on this for 10 days. Commissioner in sports. I mean, saying, oh, we've only been working on this for 10 days. Oh, with all of this and cancellations, I'm going to laugh about it. Oh, the commissioner's trophy is just a hunk of metal. Not a Uh, good look, Manfred. Not a good look. Um... All I'm
0: going to say is when you make Roger Goodell look competent, there is something severely wrong with you.
1: I was actually just discussing the fact that everything that Goodell has got going on right now, he's actually catching a break because of this. (laughs) 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 Fonty already chiming in. How about that? (laughs) What,
0: What up, Fonty? Hope you're feeling better tonight, dude. Uh, he was supposed to get released today. So hopefully that happened. All right. Cool. So the issue that I have, it isn't so much that of, of the, of the shortened season, because honestly, I'm not against the shortened season. I think 162 might be too many anyways. And we've Agreed. had this, con- we've had this conversation in our private chats before. We both agree that a 162 game season induces burnout in both players and fans. Um, with the, the way things are in baseball now, with the de-doctrination of the baseballs, with the fact that they're not as... Boo. Boo. Still feel better soon, man. Uh, with the de-doctrination of the baseballs and stuff, and the fact that the live ball era has come and, at least for the most part, come and gone we're back into a more pitcher-friendly version of Major League Baseball. None of those Major League records that we were seeing getting broken regularly uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs in a season, RBIs in a season, hits in a season. We're not going to see that anytime soon. So take a step back. Let the players play less games. Let there be less injuries during the course of the season. Let the players rest up so that way we have all of our important players when we get to playoff time, assuming that the the prominent players and teams make it. My assumption is, is this once everything does get worked out, it's going to lead to an expanded postseason again, probably eight teams once again, more than likely. I hate eight teams in each league making the playoffs, but it is what it is. You know that's coming because that's going to be something that the players
1: demand in order to have – you don't think so? No, I've been keeping up on this. What the players want is actually six teams per league in the postseason – Just one step up from the current five. It's the owners, and even the owners don't want a 16-team format. The owners are pushing for a 14-team format.
0: Seven in each league where only the top seed gets a buy, like the NFL is currently. Correct. So the players want to go to what the NFL was. Yes. One and two two get a buy, three place six, four place five, and like a wild card round. Correct. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with it because it does put more impetus into winning your division and having a proper record going. So I wouldn't disagree with it.
1: Me neither. My only sticking point, give me the 16 per league format all day. But I have shouted this from the mountaintops make your wild card series best of three and your division series best of seven. See, I would go three, five, seven, seven. Let's see. I don't know. I mean, with that sort of time off, especially if you're expanding the wild card, which I would approve of, you would still want that for the first two teams, still want them to at least have a fighting chance rather than having a more of a likelihood of an upset. That's well, I why would... I say expand it to best of seven. I'd, I'd say go three,
0: five, seven, seven. Though go but wild card series are best of three, divisional rounds are best of five, and then your league championship series and your World Series is are best of seven. I, uh, I mean, you're still giving home, you're still giving home field advantage to the teams with the better records. You're going to do two, two, one in baseball. I would imagine two, two, one in baseball.
1: Yeah, you would still keep it that way, which would and be- let's get. And let's get rid of this 2-3-2 two, two bullshit as well. No, I think for baseball, 2-3-2 two, two makes sense.
0: I don't like it. And the reason, well, I, don't, the reason I don't like it is because if the road team wins one game out of the first two at the home stadium, it puts them at a significant advantage
1: getting to host three in a row going back to their place. Well, I mean, so you go ahead and you try to have the better record. I mean, look at what the NBA did for the longest time to avoid additional travel before they went back to the 2-2-1-1-1. I think with baseball and how they have traditional two- and three-game series, they have it right. Plus, the fact that the league and players agree to a universal DH, that mitigates things a bit.
0: I hate the universal DH. I get it, but I don't like it.
1: I mean, to me personally, either go one way or the other, universal DH or get rid of the DH entirely. And They went with a universal DH and I'm fine with it.
0: Well, you know, they're not going to get rid of the DH entirely because there are players with years of service in the American league. They're going to pitch a bitch about that if they try.
1: That's why it's a lot easier. Um, Look at
0: guys, look at guys for years like uh, Ortiz and Edgar Martinez back towards the end of his career that coasted another 5 6 years off of being able to DH rather than having to play in the field every day.
1: Paul Molitor as well going back through the 90s. The
0: Minnesota Twins, yeah. Mhm. Absolutely. Uh George Brett even with the Kansas City Royals for a while too towards the end of his career.
1: Oh yeah. So the situation is kind of like the CON Ring of Honor situation, only the variables here are too many wrestlers, not enough TV time. Owen oh, will definitely be getting into that. Because I'm wondering what Harry's thoughts are about that. And the Universal DH is one of the worst things that happen to baseball. Thank for. you, Fonty. Like I said, you go one way or the other, this is the path that they chose. I would have been happier either way. See either my way. Sin-
0: my thing about it is as a baseball traditionalist, the idea that leaving the American League with the DH while the National League still has the pitchers batting is more entertaining to me because it causes it causes more strategery from the National League side of things.
1: Well, now here's the rub. Number one, and I'm glad you brought that up. The reason why the American League got the DH in the first place in 1973 was the National League was consistently higher scoring to the tune of approximately a 1,000 more runs a season, number one. Number two, even when in minor leagues, the only time where you see pitchers bat is if both teams are National League affiliates. And aside from the National League, the only other professional league that still has the pitchers batting is the Central League in Nippon Professional Baseball in Japan. Everywhere else worldwide has adopted the DH. Sorry, it's a sign of the times. Doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm not saying you do. Just like when I say, hey, everybody's moving over to Discord. Except in this one, I'm not telling you you're going over kicking and screaming.
0: Hmm. No, Major League Baseball is telling me I'm going over kicking and screaming.
1: You're not wrong. All right, realistically
0: here, back to the strike itself, Eric. Realistically, what's, what's our timetable here if you had to venture a
1: guess? Given how the owners are acting, I before we got up to the butt of spring training, I mm-hmm. would say at most we were getting a 140-game season. Now, considering how far apart they are in things like the pitch clock, um, service time manipulation and free agency, the only things they've agreed on are the universal DH and the draft lottery, and really being miles apart on the competitive balance tax we may be getting 80 at most, and yeah. I'm being very optimistic. If you're really telling me how I feel, we're not having a season. Uh, I don't see it.
0: I've heard a lot of people that are saying that it is entirely possible that we may not get baseball in 2022. And honestly, if that happens, frankly, what happens to baseball TV ratings deserves to happen. Because I mean I- – I guarantee you the fans will make their their thoughts on it very clear, much like they did in 1995, and ratings for the next season of baseball will crash.
1: Well, even in 95, I'll go further back in the way back machine. Major League Baseball to today calls the 1982 season the year that saved baseball because of the work stoppage back in 81.
0: Mhm.
1: Uh-huh. Um they're going to need some sort of miracle to that regard in 2023. Otherwise, if here- you've seen the last season of Meyer, a lot of that can really happen. Here's the problem. And let's
0: let's, let's, go, let's take our trip into a more recent way back here. Let's go back to 1994-1995 when baseball was at its depths coming back from the strike that cost us the 94 World Series but did extend the Atlanta Braves division championship role. The, the, uh, Expo, the Expos were cursed, man. There's there's no, no other way to put it.
1: No, they need Tampa Bay to go back up to Montreal, break the hoodoo, I will get some Expo swag, everything will be good again. Baseball doesn't really recover until 98
0: from what happened in 94 and into 95 with the long lo- with the long gone summer which you can watch on espn's 30 for 30 i highly recommend it <clears throat> uh i'm not disagreeing and we can have that debate another time believe me that's probably a hall of fame debate we should probably have on this show because that's one, the, one we've never had before just the two of us but to think about the excitement that was generated by the mcguire sosa marriage chase back in 98 Oh, yeah. Think about the excitement that was generated by the Bonds chase of Maguire in 2001, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Those opportunities there, something like that, that catalyst that captivated the nation. You're going to need something on that level of a super heroic indiv- individual performances in order to bring the casual fans back. Because this right here, with the owners acting like assholes and the players acting like bitches. Is going to do nothing but drive the casual fan away from the game of baseball and back towards uh, back to the NBA, back towards the National Hockey League, which is once again starting to regain some footing here in the U.S. Now that it's back on, uh, now that it's back on ABC once again where it belongs, ABC and ESPN. Hmm. And the fact that it has
1: some people can be young, ambidh just catching up on comments, but you're holding the spot open for a retirement job. But why at this point? Let everyone get on the roids and swing for the fences. And people would come back for absolutely. I mean, if you're having something like that for a home run chase and home run records, compared to if we see continued years of the pitcher, somebody chasing, you know, a Nolan Ryan or a Randy Johnson strikeout record or breaking out the calculators and seeing who's going to touch Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA in 68. Chicks take the long ball. Fans would come back more for the offense. I completely agree. It
0: goes back to a conversation we had on the kickoff, too. Offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships. People are going to be more inclined to watch high-scoring games than they are to watch pitchers' duels, which is, why, which is why I think the 98 era worked so well for bringing fans back into baseball because you had the excitement of the maguire sosa Maris chase
1: and you absolutely did. And really, post bonds, you can even go back farther and post-bonds. Once he hits 756, like we say for life is like a game show, and we talk about like the jeopardy and the hosting issues. Where is the intrigue? And I'm saying this is a fan of a team who won hundred games last year, who's been I'm, in a couple of World Series, a World Series champions yourselves in Atlanta. So
0: I'm Where's saying the general
1: intrigue, yeah.
0: I'm saying this as the fa- as a fan of the team that won last year's World Series, and will probably be the de facto 2022 champs if we don't have a season. Don't do this to the game of baseball.
1: Mm-hmm. I love baseball, uh-huh. but it's a dead sport to a lot of people. Fonte's right. He's now, absolutely and, right.
0: The sad thing about it is he is absolutely correct about that. There are so many people, especially young people these days that I talk to, like having conversation with kids these days. They're interested in playing football. They're interested Mm -hmm. in playing soccer. They're interested in playing basketball. They could give a shit less about baseball. And it's sad because people like me, people like you, we grew up. I, I don't know about you, Eric. I've been a diehard Braves fan since I was a a kid, like six, seven years old. I can specifically remember the days of getting off of school and racing home in order to get home and turn on the TV to WTBS to watch the Braves games.
1: Does the name Mark Hendrickson ring a bell to you?
0: Mm, Vaguely.
1: Rocco Baldelli, Mark Hendrickson. Rocco Baldelli. Rocco Baldelli does. He was an outfielder for the Rays. Yeah, sweet Lou Pinella. The team was absolute garbage. But always the Marlins being on TV and the Braves being on the TV, a super station. I found it was like, wait, like the Rays, like these teams exist. Let's see what this is about. And their history and everybody dogged on them in the underdogs. And I'm like, this is a team that I can get behind. We're terrible, but I can get behind them. I've been a fan ever since. All right. So with that,
0: like I said, I hope baseball is able to recover from this. But let's be honest here. If they cost us the 2022 season, baseball's on life support at
1: best. Um, And this is going to tie into later in the show. When you have a minor league baseball field from a defunct team in a defunct league being converted to something else entirely. I will get to what you've got a big problem. All right. So you took lead on the first story. I'll take lead on the
0: second here. Um, first of all, before we go any further with this, this is bigger than sports. We talk about the sports in black and white. This is bigger than sports. Our best wishes, our best thoughts are with the Ukrainian people as they fight off the invasion by Russia. Slava Ukraini. And here's hope that someone, anyone, anyone is able to talk sense into Putin and put an end to this silly insurgence.
1: I'm not going to repeat the big story that happened before we came on air, but. The
0: thing with Macron?
1: No, the thing with Lindsey Graham. Me? I'll mention it in the private chat. You could c- continue. <laughs> All right, very well. Well, as, as most people know, unless you've been living
0: under a rock, uh, Russia has invaded the Ukraine, specifically...
1: Yeah, uh, safe corridors. When it comes to mutually respecting the borders, safe corridors for humanitarian aid and certain ceasefires. Good. D-B-A-D. That's a big start.
0: <laughs> DBAD, people. Anyways... um. With the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, specifically in the the Crimea, the, the Crimea region. I almost said Crimea River.
1: I'm about to say no you did not
0: <laughs> I had to stop myself. One of my friends shared shared the meme, and it said that uh, Jesus told you.
1: <laughs> I'm I, I don't agree, but I could see how people would feel that way. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing that's been floated around.
0: All right. So anyways, uh, with the invasion of the Crimea region of the Ukraine by Russia there, uh, UEFA finally decided to grow some balls and put its foot down, literally, in this instance here. First of all, kicking Russia out of World Cup qualifying, thus giving a bye to what would have been their first-round opponent, Poland, in the World Cup qualifier. After Poland... Slovakia and help me out here. Who was the third team? Uh Sweden, and it was the Czech Republic. Oh, not it was Slovakia. Ch- it was Czech Republic of Slovakia. All mm-hmm. three teams refused to play Russia after what happened with Russia going into Ukraine. Uh UEFA was like, okay, fine, none of you have to play them. Be gone, Russia. In and- addition, in addition to evicting Russia from World Cup qualifying, I was just getting to that here. They also put their foot down towards the domestic teams in Russia as well as Spartak Moscow who was in the round of 16 in the Europa League was kicked out of the tournament thus giving a bye to the team that drew them in the in the round of 16 in the Europa League. I remember reading who it was but I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: And also touching on World Cup qualifying from UEFA Ukraine, they are currently having issues and UEFA is working with Ukraine and Scotland for rescheduling their qualifier and their path for the World Cup because not being able to leave the country and everything else. I don't think that's fair to the athletes, though. It's not like they're standing shoulder to shoulder with Putin making the decisions. Now, I'm going to agree with the fact that with the athletes, however, keep in mind the different Russian scandals involving athletes, especially with doping. I'm not saying that this is related, but I am saying this has wider effects as well, and something had to be done. Plus, there is precedent. When the last Yugoslav war happened in the 90s, as Yugoslavia was breaking up, Yugoslavia was banned by FIBA from basketball competition, paving the way for Drazen Petrovic in Serbia and other former Yugoslav Republic countries to compete independently throughout the 90s.
0: Croatia. Exactly. Croatia included. Uh, the reason Croatia immediately springs to mind is because of Tony Kukoc. Uh, Vladi Divac was actually a representative of Yugoslavia originally, when mm-hmm. that when they were still a thing as well. Uh, the former mm-hmm. Los Angeles Lakers center. But so with Spartak Moscow being kicked out of the round of 16. Do you think UEFA overreached kicking here kicking the Russian team out of the tournament? Or do you think that this is a situation of you're throwing out the bathwater just because of the, the spoiled bunch?
1: I really don't think so because they're pretty much falling in line with other calls and competitions. IOC President Thomas Bach said he wanted more of a blanket ban of not having events in Russia, which compounding for security reasons as well, not having events in Belarus, calling for bans of Russian and Belarusian athletes, which are now banned from the Paralympics, other organizations as well. So it's something that for a combination of logistical reasons, and I applaud them to a point because you know these athletes are going to have this as sort of a platform for what's going on. Even though with the Olympics and a lot of big sporting events are going to be apolitical, if politics is basically intertwined with your life in sports, you're going to have it as a platform. Now, The the IOC needs to keep the same thing from countries and people who can be there, those who will use that platform in a better way for good.
0: Okay, two things about that. One, the ITF came out and recently stated that they will no longer be staging events in Russia until everything is settled. And two, did you see the Russian tennis player? Writing
1: on the camera, no war, please. Mm -hmm.
0: I really hope he had somewhere safe to stay.
1: I'm sure he did. I don't think he went back home because even in Russia alone, You have so many people protesting the war, over 5,000 people have been arrested in Russia.
0: Oh, yeah, because most of of the country doesn't agree with his decision.
1: No, not at all. And the problem is... If they were taking all factors of the matter, and okay, but just basing it off war, which athletes didn't make that call. Um, they didn't make the call, but you have a lot of prominent athletes who have expressed support. Look at what's going on with Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals. And seriously, him seriously, having... Ovi o- o- opened his big mouth again. Well, it, it's on its on two fronts. Number one, having his picture with President Putin in his profile and everything, calling his hero on Instagram. That's still a thing. He did op- he did open his mouth, however, about a week ago, but He actually spoke out against it. He's like, hey, going into Ukraine like this, bad idea. Very bad idea. Well, I had an UNO night last
0: night with a group of friends and stuff, and this isn't really relevant to sports, but the topic of Russia and and the Russian Ukraine came up here. And apparently there are Russian soldiers that are literally going up to – there's a reward in Ukraine. If a Russian soldier turns himself in, they get basically like the American equivalent of like $50,000. Mm hmm. And like if I'm sitting there thinking to myself, um, my only concern is death by treason when I if I ever have get sent back to Russia,
1: they wouldn't be going back home. Not to mention, have you seen would, the Russian economy because of this?
0: I would hope that anybody that any any soldier, any soldier sent over that made the decision would, would be granted uh, political asylum in,
1: inside of Ukraine naturally with what ukraine is trying to do and other affiliations i think they would because you have they're going even a step farther than that so now this explains why
0: all right so back onto the topic of the sports involvement with everything here with russia uefa and the europa league here um part of me is glad that the russian teams got knocked out inside of the group phase of champions league because I really wouldn't want this controversy sitting over Champions League as it moves forward going forward as well, because I do believe mm-hmm. the second leg of Champions League, and we'll talk about that when that happens. I believe it's actually right before the NCAA tournament starts, that Tuesday, Wednesday before the NCAA tournament starts is the the, the first half of the second leg of the round of 16 Champions League games, the 15th and 16th. Correct. So we'll we'll, we'll touch on those here probably when we do our NCAA tournament preview episode of uh, the Broadhurst and Sports Report. But my, my concern is, is, is this going to cast a pall over the rest of the Europa League, having had the Spartak Moscow being kicked out of the tournament?
1: I, honestly, I don't think so. Because you originally saw UEFA in particular making the call when they moved the Champions League final. It was originally to be staged in St. Petersburg. They moved it to Paris. Right. At
0: at Paris St. Germain Stadium, like we talked about uh, on Life is Like, what was it, Life is Like a Game Show, I believe.
1: mm Mm-hmm. So they went gone ahead, and they've made their stance. I think that this is going to be a bit of an issue for the remainder of this UEFA season. But also keep in mind, UEFA Champions League is going to undergo that change in format in just a couple years' time. You've already got the UEFA uh, Europa Conference League. UEFA, with their club competitions, is already mired in bigger situations. So while this is going to be a thing now, if we're talking next season or the season after where there's going to be larger significant changes... All of this won't be forgotten about, but it'll be remembered less.
0: I would certainly hope so. Anyways, I just don't want this casting a pall over the remaining teams in both of the leagues and specifically the teams that are still going to play inside of Europa. Do you think it provides an unfair competitive advantage to the team that got the buy because of the Spartak Moscow
1: situation? Not necessarily because they've still got to deal with their domestic competition, which that I'm sure it's going to be grueling as it is as you're getting into really going the final couple of months around Europe of domestic leagues. Plus, you still got to go and play those other games in the quarterfinals. You don't know who necessarily you're going to be matched up against because you've got that big draw coming up and you may end up still having to deal with a really tough team. So it's a benefit because it's fewer games, but It may not matter much when it comes to even the semifinals, let alone the final.
0: All right, and with that, we move forward into... The madness being upon us, as we talked about just a few seconds ago, we are going to be bringing back the NCAA tournament preview and re-bracket a little bit later on this year. But there are some big things going on, including the start of conference tournaments. I have to step away for a quick second. My computer's being glitchy. Eric, I will let you go ahead and take it for a few seconds, and then I will let you know once I am back. All
1: right. So, naturally, I do have a little bit of a stake in this because my alma mater, University of North Florida, swoop, in the Atlantic Sun, unfortunately lost in the first round to Lipscomb. Still, you know, coached your school and the guys. It was a very tough season, but full credit, shout out. Go get back at it next year. No biggie whatsoever. But you're seeing a lot of big time important games, not even just in your power seven that are still wrapping up as you're going towards championship week in that regard. I mean, if you have, I believe it's the horizon league, one game just decided at the buzzer, the other three quarterfinals go into overtime. You're really starting to see these mid majors, these one bid leagues really going at it and producing some great conference tournament games. Now, I can go ahead and harp on and rehash my argument about how the NCAA tournament should be and what I would do to reform it. But really in the lead up as you're jostling for position in the Power 7, my Kings, the U, little bit of a rocky patch, but a big win against Boston College to go ahead and wrap up a top four seed in the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. So it's it's really getting into the business end, and this is around the time historically I really start tuning in and focusing. Yeah, I was just about to say, the big thing for me, and greetings,
0: salutations, whatnots, once again, everyone, how you doing? Uh, this is the time of year that I start devoting more and more time to college basketball. Uh, as conference tournaments have officially begun in earnest. I do believe uh, the first of the tournaments actually kicked off yesterday. Oh, you yeah, had a not few of them.
1: Not yesterday, excuse me, on on uh, Monday actually yeah, I was just talking about u uh, n f and the a sun the horizon league quarterfinals getting off to a huge start. you've had uh, the a c yeah. kicking off so the horizon
0: the horizon league quarterfinals were the only home team that lost was youngstown state,
1: yeah yeah don't don't feel bad again u n f not the best of seasons. Didn't you guys get held to like forty points by somebody a couple of weeks ago? Did you really have to
0: remind me of that fact? Hey, look at the bright side. At least Miami has looking really good with the double buy in the
1: ACC tournament. Thank you, and the fact that we got the scouts of UNC and Duke to help motivate us. Oh, one of them top seeds. I'm drooling over it. All right. Um, my team needs a huge run in the SEC
0: tournament. Go, Gators. We are sadly very precariously on the bubble at the present moment. Um, have a couple of games left this week. Honestly, the game Saturday I think makes or breaks our season, regardless. And you do know what that is, correct? I'm
1: trying to remember who in Kentucky
0: in there. the swamp.
1: Oh, yeah, you need
0: oh boy. If we can beat Kentucky in the swamp to go with our beating of then ranked number two Auburn in the swamp. That and the fact that the Kentucky win would give us 20 on the season, I don't think the NCAA can keep the Gators out. The problem is, is in a very loaded SEC this year, a surprisingly loaded SEC this year is that, um, it is very easy that the SEC might get six teams and we might not be one of them just because of the, the, the overindulgence of talent in that conference this year from the basketball perspective. Traditionally, the SEC known more as a football conference, but this year they've been bringing it in basketball as well. My other team just suffered a loss as well, but in fairness, we're still on the two line, so it's really not going to make that big of a difference for Kansas, despite losing to TCU. Uh, Toby be
1: checking in. Go Wolverines, especially if Jawan Howard can. Yeah, know, let's let's have your check.
0: Yeah, let's have your coach stop throwing punches, Toby, and then we'll talk. <laughs> As somebody needs to remind Juwan that he's not 25 and still playing at this point. He needs to conduct himself like a professional. Speaking of which, segue! Thanks, Toby. Coach K's final regular season home game is this Saturday night. And the ticket
1: prices are absolutely astrophreakingnomical. Are we talking what five grand, six
0: grand, $5,900 for a courtside seat for Coach K's finale against North
1: Carolina at Cameron Indoor? A big game, B, B historical rivalry, C the fact that oh, I don't know, ACC Network is covering the game five different ways, and with all of this, again, it was right in that range that I said. I'm not surprised. Um,
0: that being said, I can't spell his name for shit. I ain't
1: even gonna try. I'm sure Eric can't. K R Z Y Z E W S K I Shashifsky. Get Zunheit.
0: (laughs) Um, you know how we have our returning segment towards the end of the show where we take it from the kickoff? He -hmm. is like the anti-Abergene of the week, he is like the class act of a career award if we were to give one here on the kickoff.
1: Entirely agree.
0: Uh, okay, so the, the storybook version of this ends with Duke winning the title. Ain't nobody got time for that, but that's how the storybook
1: version of this ends. I mean, I could see it. It's usually Duke is a safe bet in the NCAA tournament. I don't think this is their year though. Now, what- I would love it if Miami were to go in, we would meet in even the ACC semifinals or title game and say, Oh, yeah. We beat you with Cameron Indoor. Sorry, Coach K. Swish. We'll see you in the dance. But that's just me. Well, here's the thing with
0: Duke. We know one of two things is going to happen in the NCAA tournament for them. They're either going to have a really long run or they're going to get yeeted in the first round.
1: You're not wrong. You ain't lying.
0: You ain't lying. <laughs> it do be facto. <laughs> so... That being said, regardless of how you feel about the program, because I know there are a lot of people that are very anti-Duke basketball, much the same way there are a lot of people that are anti notre Dame football for much the same reasons, overexposure, over television, over-saturation, call it whatever you want to. Coach K is a class act and has never been anything but.
1: No, even to... The TV commercials like he did for American Express and some say, hey, you're doing this and using his recruiting and yada yada. It's like the way that he put himself, you know, I'm not just arming young men for a jump with a jump shot. I'm arming them for life. It's like, hey, you can't say too bad about him unless your team loses to him. Unfortunately, that's happened a lot. Uh, there's, there's been a couple of years where
0: Duke has been the cause of Kansas's exit from the tournament. I will say this much, if I'm not mistaken, though, the last time the can Kansas won the chip, we beat Duke on the way to the title. I believe you did. Yeah. Uh, 2016, I think it was. I'm have I don't to look. remember what round. We'll look that up. I'm, I'm going to have to do some research purposes there, but I want to say it was 2016 and it was in the elite eight that we beat Duke. I was the just what, about
1: to say, right around the elite eight. I
0: want to say the I, I want to say the West Region final. Great, now Ken's is back with us again. Thanks, Toby. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time
1: for that. Not, <laughs> not well, not at least in basketball. You don't necessarily have to worry.
0: Although so. that being said, they were a top twenty-five team as of this week, or at you, least were until Texas A&M went into
1: went into Tuscaloosa, and beat them on Monday. Like I said, you don't have to worry about them that much in basketball. Well,
0: they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. Rather, they have any kind of run in the NCAA tournament. is going to depend. I will say this much. I don't think that the team that beat us in the tournament last year is going to make it this year. USC has not had a great season.
1: Ah, uh, USC. Ooh. Uh. Weirder things
0: have happened. Well, the Pac-12 usually gets a couple of at-large's too. Uh, um... Not to
1: mention USC is in the top twenty-five flirting what? with them right about now. Yes, yes. When did that happen? Just recently. I was looking at the they... scores a couple of days ago. They're they... At, they got twenty wins themselves. Ah, damn it! I'm telling you, like I said, weirder things have happened. Pac-12 has really been heating up. That being, uh, didn't they just get chin checked by Arizona though? Yeah, they did. But then look at what happened to Arizona too.
0: Oh, let's talk about that, shall we?
1: Because Ooh. that's a, that's
0: a pretty big story. And actually, the impetus for me putting this on the uh, the, the the cart there, uh, we go back five days. I think it was yeah, five days last Saturday, and for the first time ever in the AP top twenty five era. All six top twenty-five teams lost on the same day. Number one Gonzaga, number two Arizona, number three. Who was number three?
1: Was it? I know it was.
0: Kansas I'm was. Sure. Kansas was five. Wasn't Purdue at four? Purdue was at four. They lost to Sparty. Auburn. Auburn to um. Arkansas. Yep. And number six lost as well. I'm going to have to go back and look at that real quick. I, I want to say uh,
1: six might have been Kentucky. To
0: uh, Tennessee. Yep. In addition, uh, number nine lost as well. I... So seven seven out of the top 10 teams, which also set a modern era record for the AP top 25 for most number of top 20, most number of top 10 teams losing on a single day. The previous record was
1: six, I,
0: I believe, on four different occasions.
1: I don't. That was just one of those things where the stars aligned and it was a weird day, a very weird day. To be
0: fair to the teams in the top, the top six there, two of them did play ranked opponents. Uh, I do believe Tennessee was ranked when they played Kentucky. Tennessee was like 17th or something. And uh, number five, Kansas lost to number 10, Baylor.
1: Baylor, another team. I said watch out for them in football. Now with basketball, they're I mean, picking right back up.
0: Defending NCAA champions, having beaten Gonzaga in the title game last year. Gonzaga's still ranked number one. Arizona's still ranked number two, or at least they were until this week happened Baylor moved up to number three a which I mean it's hard to argue with Kansas fell a spot to number six they'll probably fall
1: further after the loss to TCU this week but, but I gotta yeah you're still right around that two line especially with the big 12 tournament so and I, I, I sense worried.
0: I sense a potential opportunity for a run back with Baylor on a neutral court in the big 12 title game as well
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Kansas, excuse me, after a two-year hiatus from doing so, Kansas has once again clinched at least a share of the Big 12 title, too. So,
1: I mean, it just like you can't count out Duke, you can't count out the Jayhawks. Basketball blue bloods going at it again.
0: We'll have to see
1: what happens again.
0: We will be bringing, and I don't know how we're going to do that for Selection Sunday. Because I know we have a POV plan for Selection Sunday.
1: Well, that's going to be later that night. Because, you know, Watershed and everything else. So that's not going to be kicking off until at least 10.
0: Well, yeah, because we got to wait for Rancid Randy to be available, too, in order to help run the, uh, the greatest sports movie tournament.
1: Oh, I am so prepared. I'm prepared. I am prepared. I am I'm, prepared.
0: I'm bringing extra. I'm bringing extra headache medication just in case I need it. That'll be that'll be myself, Mr. Watkins, and Brian Espinoza over on Point of Viewer. However, me and Eric may try to sneak in maybe a Sunday afternoon thing where we break down the bracket as well. Once the NCAA tournament reveal happens on Sunday
1: night, too, that will be on the 13th, I believe. Yep, Sunday the 13th. Their usual bracket reveal is around 6 o'clock where they have the selection show.
0: So we could probably sneak something in around 8-ish or so. Oh, yeah. Assuming your schedule's free because I would imagine I'll be relatively quiet on a Sunday. Oh, I, know yeah. I'm, I know I'm busy this Sunday, but that's because this Sunday's AEW Revolution, the, the re- wrestling pay-per-view.
1: Oh, <laughs> and big news with AEW that we're going to have to cover at some point.
0: We'll get to that towards the end of the show. Maybe our final, maybe our final thought, or our final, our final take, or whatever. All right, uh, let's move forward. Let's move over to the NBA, shall we?
1: Oh, Jesus! About people opening their mouths and causing controversy.
0: All right, before we get to the John Morant thing, which is what I'm assuming you're referring to.
1: Actually, no, John Morant on the court opening their mouth. That was LeBron James. That dude doesn't know when to shut up, to be fair. Um, yeah, this one, we'll
0: talk talk about it. Let's talk about some other on-the-court major stories here. Ben Simmons and James Harden in maybe one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Superstar for superstar for sure, but a four-for-one from the Nets to the Sixers, as Simmons goes to the Nets for James Harden, two players
1: and a draft pick. I mean, you, you would think that that would be like a big deal. But with Harden doing something that the Sixers haven't enjoyed since the 80s, I don't know if this is just the fresh change of scenery Because we saw these same things when he first came to Brooklyn. This is a big deal.
0: He almost put up a triple-double last night.
1: Not to mention, what was it? One of his first couple of games, 25, 5, 15, and 5 steals? That is unusual even for James Harden. I... I'm trying to figure this out. This man has become an enigma the past five years. Real talk: having lost
0: having lost the locker room cancer that was Simmons, at least to Philadelphia fans, and gained a player with the with the skills and the skills, excuse me, and credibility of a Harden. Does this put Philadelphia back in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? I with, do with the one-two duo of James Harden and Joel Embiid.
1: I really do because the biggest knock between Simmons and Embiid, you had Embiid who was at really power force in the low post and was also excellent in defense. He would have been great with Ben Simmons, but Ben really just didn't shoot. Now you have a guy who's willing to take control and shoot the ball. And some would some would say has
0: a has a tendency to overshoot on occasion.
1: Yeah, on occasion, he will play some hero ball and shoot for himself. But having been in the dynamic of knowing that he can take a night off, he didn't necessarily enjoy that in Houston. But with the big three in Brooklyn, with himself, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, he got that mindset of say, okay, I don't have to be the man every day. Now in Philadelphia, He doesn't necessarily have to be the man every day. If he has a bit of an off night, Embiid will help pick up the slack. I mean, if you're looking at the situation with teams like Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn still to some effect, and now Philadelphia, you've got a very good potential top four brewing when it comes to the NBA playoffs.
0: I'm actually in the process of pulling up the current NBA standing. So if you want to go ahead and get, continue with the Ja Morant story, we'll switch over. To, we'll switch over to playoff discussion here in a few seconds.
1: I mean, with the Ja Morant, th- we have not seen these kind of performances out of Ja Morant since he was at Murray State. It's be- go- enough that he goes off for 45. Then just a few games later. I'm going to go ahead and put up a franchise record 52. I mean, this is why he was so heralded for the Grizzlies coming out of the draft. And for a team that's so fairly young
0: like Memphis. Correct me if I'm wrong. Murray State's in Kentucky, right? Yes. So he's relatively regional to Memphis as well with him playing just a state above in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can understand why he was considered the hope there. I mean, obviously there was a ton of hype around this kid when he was at Murray State. I would argue probably the most hype around him coming out of Murray State since maybe Steph Curry coming out of Davidson.
1: I completely agree with that. I do. And he was talking right up there as, like, one of the number one picks, and everybody Mm -hmm. had eyes on him in the NCAA tournament. He was Mm -hmm. the man.
0: Oh, yeah. So an opportunity, uh, the opportunity arose from Morant there, and he's only in like year two in the NBA, year two or year three in the NBA too. This kid's mm-hmm. upside is absolutely insane for what he could become. And um, the the ability that he has to play multiple positions too is
1: scary if you're having to play them and defend. Him. When you're talking about more of this new era, and you've seen this, even going back to college with Billy Donovan at Florida. How you're not focusing so much on the lineups themselves in your traditional sense, you know, with your backcourt, with your Mm -hmm. center guys on the wing. You're getting towards now, and Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors were big reasons for this, shooting and more positionless basketball, having key guys with sets in different situations in different parts of the floor. They're ramping one of those guys. There are certain colleges that run four guard systems nowadays
0: with one big man, just mm-hmm. because it's, it's a case of getting your most athletic players on the floor at any given time. Absolutely. So I mean, the days of having uh, the days of needing that big man post inside that interior presence are gone, I would argue. It, it's not a bad thing to have one, but it's not necessary to win in, in either college or the NBA anymore. I'm telling
1: you, if the old Canadian league that had a height limit of six foot five back in the late 80s, if that What's... were to ever make a resurgence. Well, that's because nobody in Canada is that tall. Oh! Okay, number one, you're not entirely wrong. We've come a long way from one of the tallest people playing for Toronto in the first NBA game back in the 40s. But second of all, really? Really?
0: There are a bunch of short folks up there. It's okay. They're really nice. It, they you know are. what it is? You know what it is. You line up a team of Canadian geese to play against the game of basketball.
1: Nope, nope, I'm done. I've had nope. my encounters with the Canadian geese. Uh-uh. That's
0: that's a that's a forfeit before the game <laughs> even starts. All right, so looking at the NBA, the current NBA postseason standing Here, You ready, Eric? Ready. Let's run this down real quick. Okay, the play-in in in the Eastern Conference would be Toronto against Atlanta, Brooklyn against Charlotte.
1: I could still see Brooklyn in that one. I would lean towards Atlanta.
0: Atlanta's currently a game and a half up on Washington for the final spot. Okay. One through through six in the East are Miami, who's having a very good year this year. Mm Mm-hmm. The aforementioned 76ers, Chicago, mm. Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland. Cleveland's on the downswing just because of the injuries that have absolutely devastated that franchise at times this season. They just got one of their players back, but like, isn't one of their star, one of their star guards out for the rest of
1: the year with like a torn labrum or something? I believe so. They have not been the same since Ro- Rubio went down.
0: Uh, the former Timberwolf, Ricky Rubio. mm Hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's where he landed. I know he used to play for the Jazz as well. That's why the name rang familiar to me. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Jazz, Segway, <laughs> They're fourth in the Western Conference currently uh, trailing Phoenix, who we just beat on Sunday, might I add, on a national televised game on ABC. Uh, Phoenix, Gordon State, Memphis with Morant. Utah. The Jazz would play Dallas in the first round. Memphis would play Denver. Hate mail to S. Garmer after we whoop that ass. <laughs> uh, Memphis would play Denver. The play in games in the Western Conference would be Timberwolves and Pelicans and Clippers versus Lakers.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. And first of all, especially without Zion. I would have to go Minnesota there because, again, Zion – Seriously, can that dude
0: stay healthy at all? Like, what the hell?
1: Everybody said, and I agreed, he was too big, too big, too explosive. It's a matter of physics in the human body. What has he been dealing with his entire NBA career? Foot injuries. A guy playing that large, blowing out a shoe, fantastic. If you're doing a 30-40 game season – But when you've got to go 82, it's too much. He should have shed about 20 pounds. Who was it from Minnesota that always had the same problem?
0: The the center from Minnesota that always had the same problem. He was constantly getting hurt. The Canadian. Wiggins. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins, the former Jayhawk. Mm Mm-hmm. Couldn't stay healthy despite being the number one
1: overall pick because he was just too damn big. Yeah. Too big, too tall. And if you're that mobile, feet, 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 landing down on that hardcore ripple effects. You know
0: who else used to have that problem as well? We were talking about the Cavaliers a few moments ago. Uh, Zydruda Selgoskiis. Their longtime center also had a, a history of feet injuries as well because he was a really athletic big man.
1: Oh, yeah. So, and, and, it go- and it's good it to w- a point,
0: but. Ilgoskis was like seven foot three, but he was constantly battling battling feet injuries.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, even with Yao Ming, it was the same thing. You know, absolutely. Sticks. And what led to his retirement? Foot.
0: It absolutely. was a shame,
1: but it's a thing.
0: All right, so yeah, Minnesota over New Orleans. What about Clippers Lakers? Because that's a pretty intriguing
1: battle. Given how LeBron James, after the All-Star game, Segway! <laughs> mentioned about a, maybe a possible return to Cleveland. Then he had to come out and say, I'll be in the purple and gold as long as I can play. I honestly think I could see the Clippers taking that one. Yes, I see the face going to the camera. Um,
0: Cleveland. If you welcome LeBron James back, you have no one to blame but yourselves.
1: Uh, how would this be a bad thing now? Abusive relationship says what? I mean,
0: because he's already, he's already said that his last, his last year in the league, he wants to play with Brawny. So he would
1: be there for a year, maybe two tops. Okay, I mean, he was there for a couple of years the last time, and I do remember the city of Cleveland in the rafters of uh, Rocket Mortgage Loans Arena. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Thank you, dear sweet Christ, Dan Gilbert. Um, Up in the banners, they have a 2016 championship
0: banner. A, call it the Q, because that's what the rest of us do. B, I'll be there on Monday night. There you go. See, I'm reason. fine
1: with the Q. That that was okay with me. That's All the me
0: only it's the only reason I know that it's called Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse now is cuz I'll be there on Monday night for Raw. <laughs> but um yeah, no, the thing about it is is LeBron's never stayed anywhere for long, and I think that's going to be kind of the thing that uh kind of the thing that haunts his legacy. Jordan was almost exclusively a bull except for like the year and a half he played with the Wizards. True. Kobe Bryant was a forever Laker. True. 20 years,
1: same organization. Mm -hmm.
0: Stockton was a forever member of the Utah Jazz. To kind of a
1: detriment, but yes.
0: Malone was more or less known as a member of the Jazz until his final two seasons with the Lakers as well. Oh, did that
1: experiment ever fail? (laughs) Malone went ring chasing at the end of his career. Yeah. I mean, I I don't fault the man. And I'm glad you kind of make that point. Back then, it was a thing of ring chasing. Is it that to a point nowadays? Yes, but nowhere near as much. It's a matter of I'm not going to go ahead and go somewhere to win. I'm going to go ahead and go, and LeBron is a big part of this, I'm going to go with to play with people whom I want to play with. And when you started seeing all of the assembling of – yeah, Dynamic duos, the big threes
0: Yeah, I think it's the birth of the super team That has kind of ruined the NBA as we knew it And the reason I say that is because All of these players are so inclined to go Oh, I want to play with this dude, this dude, and that dude Let's make this happen somewhere that has the cap space To have it happen mm-hmm. You don't see that, that natural genesis Of homegrown talent on NBA teams anymore you don't see like that Bulls franchise back in the, the late eighties, early nineties that developed their way up from being the laughingstock of the Eastern Conference to drafting Jordan out of uh, to drafting Jordan out of North Carolina to getting people like Horace Grant from when when they got Horace Grant, I believe he was with Detroit if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, with Detroit and then went to the Lakers
0: again. Uh, to getting Dennis Rotman from Detroit, who I know came from the Pistons over to Chicago to picking up people like Tony Kukoc and Scottie Pippen. Pippen, I believe, was a trailblazer before he was a bull, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So you had that more of an opportunity there to develop your rosters back then rather than everybody in free agency going, oh, I want to play with this guy, this guy, and this guy. Let's find some place with the cap space to make it happen.
1: Yeah, and I mean, with the fact that, again, back in those days, player mobility was pretty limited. And it's not like you could automatically go ahead and force yourself into trade or do these things with free agency. It wasn't until even the early mid nineties, starting with Shaq where money became more of a thing. When Shaq left,
0: when Shaq left Orlando for the Lakers,
1: exactly going ahead and, you know, being a hundred million dollar man after, you know, the eyes like Alonzo morning, yada, yada. But, How can I best say this? While in that regard, it was much easier to build a team over the long term, you have to admit that was also the era of much, you could say fewer NBA dynasties because for the longest time throughout the 80s, it was mostly Lakers-Celtics, Lakers-Celtics, Lakers-Celtics. I mean, you you can even go
0: back. You could probably even go back into the 70s with the Lakers and Celtics, too, if we're being
1: honest. Yeah, you could. It was Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics. Then 89 and 90 Pistons going back to back. Then the Bulls starting their dynasty. So you had a lot of subpar teams back in those days.
0: Because it went. Yeah, because once Jordan came into the league, it was Pistons, Pistons. The Bulls for three in a row. Jordan retires to go play baseball. Houston wins two in a row. And then Jordan comes back, and the Bulls win three more.
1: Yep, and then you had the 98-work stoppage going into the 98-99 season. That's when Spurs beat the Knicks, and then you had the Spurs run.
0: Yeah, because the Spurs won three titles in like five years, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And it was between Spurs, Lakers, Spurs, Lakers in the West.
0: But uh, I will be honest with you. I don't follow the NBA as closely as maybe most other people do. I am very admittedly much more of a college basketball fan than, an, than I am of an NBA fan. With the Jazz starting to become a relevant team again, I do follow a little bit more closely. I I did get a chance to watch the Jazz game a couple of days ago. I had an opportunity to follow along while they beat Phoenix, which was a very big win for us after losing to Phoenix just about a week prior. So it was nice to see Uh, Utah just beat Houston in overtime, I think on Tuesday night, if I'm not mistaken as well. So, but in fairness, Houston's like the worst team in the Western conference this year. So that's not really something to be proud of. Yeah. Houston's looking at potential for a number one overall pick.
1: No surprise there. Houston's just collapsed since Westbrook Harden, everybody else left. I Mm -hmm. mean, if you're scraping for the bottom of the barrel to John Wall, you've got issues.
0: Uh, There are people in Memphis who will swear by John Wall. They'll be wrong, but they'll swear by him.
1: I'm about to say it's like, sure, go right ahead, but you're not going to
0: have me dying on that hill. I will say this much, he did win a dunk contest a couple of years ago at the All- at All-Star Weekend.
1: That says even more about the dunk contest than it does about yeah, him.
0: Can, can we just start playing Slam Ball at halftime uh, or during the All-Star Weekend instead? Like, Bring back Slam Ball. That's my official vote for the dunk contest. Bring back Slam Ball. Put trampolines out on the
1: floor and let them have fun. Yeah, just you have your guys, you know, three on three, four on four. And it only has to be like one quarter or so done. But I will say this. If the NBA implements the Elam ending on a more regular basis, like how they have for the All-Star game, they will have a fan for life in myself. Love that.
0: I I, I don't care for it. And part of it was, too, is I I know there was a lot of Vegas fuckery involved with that Elam ending as well. Because... you, you
1: heard about that right I haven't heard about that I'm not surprised but I haven't fully heard about that
0: uh something along the lines of like the over under on the thing was like 125 and a half and the way they set it or, or like two what was it 325 and a half or something and oh. the way they, the way that they set it up it was like the winning score would be 163 so no matter what unless somebody hit a three to win the game. Oh, that put them over? There was no way that they were going to cover it?
1: With something like that, go on team totals, especially for the All-Star game, how they break into the quarters. Now, I will say, into that defense, that was the NBA's version of the Elam ending. A traditional Elam ending game, like how they have in the basketball tournament, it is wildly different. Wildly different.
0: Because it was leader plus 24 for the NBA one, right?
1: Yes, leader plus 24, and the entire fourth quarter is untimed. In a traditional game, it's first whistle after the four-minute mark. Then you turn the clock off, and either leader plus seven, or if it's tied, next team to seven points. Bam. All right. Um...
0: This was yours, so I'm gonna let you introduce this story.
1: I'm going to introduce nope, nope,
0: nope, 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 nope. nope. Not
1: that not that one, not yet, not yet.
0: Jumping the gun. There's this there's this matter of football to discuss, Mr. Watkins. We were preeminently a football show
1: before, if you recall. That big story. So everybody knows the USFL, the United States
0: Football League.
1: Yes, if you remember the original version from the 80s, like I do, even though I was slightly before before my time. time.
0: Home of such luminaries as Jim Kelly.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Anyway. I have also read the book, Jeff Pearlman, Football for a Buck, The Crazy Rise and Crazier Demise of the USFL. Very good read, by the way. Yes, Jeff, I know you're salty about things and how they are now, but there's specific reasons. So, Brian Woods, another man who I would love to punch in the face for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Seriously, I say all the time about the A11 Football League and how that could have been a thing, but oh, no. But that's a rant for another show. He Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, he was running the Spring League, which – because of the pandemic, a normally untelevised training camp style league to get yourself some film so you can go to the NFL or the CFL. Fox was like, We need content. This is good. Let us go ahead and air it. The Spring League was extremely good for what it was. So if you saw the Spring League this past season, then you would have already known them switching from spring to fall and the big announcement as it got to the tail end of the season. The USFL is coming back 2022. Fast forward to now. They've had the draft, and now you're sitting here with kickoff at April 15th. One of the main things that the USFL and Fox, who were part owners of the USFL, have said, this is not affiliated with the original USFL in the 80s. It's another completely new thing. The original owners, especially when some of the team names, some of the logos and stuff are being used, they're not happy about that. So they went and formed the real USFL LLC and are now bringing forward a lawsuit to the current incarnation of the USFL run by an organization, the National Spring Football League, LLC so they're saying you know what you've got our trademarks you're doing this you're basically continuing our league and we're not happy about that now doing a deep dive into a lot of the legalese as far as trademarks when trademarks expire renewals intellectual property this and that there's a good prevailing theory that this isn't really a case Fox has very little to worry about however given our court system this is going to be a little bit of a gray cloud not a full dark one but a gray cloud hovering over the league as they get set for their opening games in Birmingham just a few short weeks away
0: Well, one of the things that we discussed, too, is – and we had this conversation off-air, and I'll bring it on-air here – is the viability of just having Fox and Rupert Murdoch write a check to the owners of the original USFL to make this all go away just to avoid the publicity and the the constant litigation that it's probably going to forthcome from this. Because you don't want that distraction when you're relaunching a football league, especially one that had the relative success that the Spring League did last year on – with their broadcast on Fox. And now they're even expanding to the point that the games are going to be on both Fox and Peacock this year.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, for the first time since the first AFL NFL world championship game, January 31st in 1967, you will have a program program simulcast on two networks simultaneously as the opening game with the Birmingham stallions fitting because Birmingham will be the USFL's hub this year. The Stallions and the New Jersey Generals will be on Fox and NBC. Same broadcast crew or different broadcast crew? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I would imagine same crew would be easier, but if they do different crews like Super Bowl one did, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: See, that would make sense to me to do different crews so that way both networks could introduce you to the people that will be calling games for those particular networks.
1: I, I completely agree, and especially since NBC, as you said, with NBC and Peacock getting a significant share of broadcast this first season alongside Fox, they can both see what they're getting into because there were some significant checks handed out from both networks.
0: An opportunity to... Uh an opportunity to see what we're working with here have the broadcast teams for the usFL been
1: announced? not as of yet
0: that's a little concerning getting this close to the season, isn't
1: it? it is and there's been a lot of that mutual concern because there was an issue as far as like streaming the draft where it wasn't widely available. you still haven't heard of full coaching staff but you have head coaches so, You've got those, like myself, still a little bit nervy, but with the network as big as Fox basically saying, we are committed to this for three years. Bigger bumps in the road than I would like, but I still see them as bumps in the road.
0: I I do think that we're still sustainable being a month and a half out from kickoff, so. There's still plenty of time to uh, advance and develop into what we're going to need for for these leagues, this league to still happen. Absolutely. The question will be is, what are the USFL's chances against an NFL-backed XFL starting in
1: 2023? Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've been following the USFL from the get-go with this incarnation in the spring league. Right. I've been following the USF or the XFL since they got their big announcement that they're coming back.
0: Well, we, we talked about the original XF, the, the original reboot of the XFL on the kickoff.
1: Yeah. And it During was...
0: when, we, when we were filling content back in the summer of 2020.
1: Yeah, and it was fantastic. I am leaning towards the USFL, and I will tell you why. Is it a great move that the NFL is saying hey the xfl is going to be a breeding ground for trial it's the g league exactly my whole point with that is how long is the nfl really going to keep that commitment they had something similar with nfl europa which was a former World League that they backed. Okay,
0: so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I see where you're going with this and I'm gonna disagree just because it is more financially feasible for them to do it here in the States rather than overseas.
1: Financially feasible, yes, but again, I lean towards the interests. If you're doing something like this with another league, number one, are you really going to do this so that way? For all the people who say the NFL should have a minor league outside of college, are you really doing it with that? And for the XFL in particular, this is something that in a lot of ways has salvaged them. They are notoriously slow on announcements. Redbird Capital, the financial management group side of things, has been extremely quiet. I mean, the only times that we've heard anything are from Danny Garcia herself, and not even directly. You have to be clues and looking for different things on Instagram. And in another blow, this is coming off of what were, in a lot of regards, failed talks between the XFL and the CFL. which For, is a, going potential through-
0: for a potential merger of the two organizations, yes, I remember that. We talked about that on the
1: kickoff as well. Right, so... I think this is going to be great in the short term, and we're a long ways away. Well, not that long, but we're still a ways away from 2023. But I honestly, especially with a year head start and the different markets that they have set up, I am giving the USFL an advantage because the NFL, if they were trying to do something like this, I honestly believe they missed their window. And especially for a league in the spring and early summer, fans showed for like for the original XFL reboot in 2020, they want something incredibly different. I think the USFL is going to be different enough and they will keep being different to where it will stand on its own and succeed.
0: I just have one request for both leagues give us a sky
1: judge. Agreed. And. One, a sky judge so the NFL will finally say stop putting things in the hands of officials so much and they go get a sky judge. And then two, if both leagues are happening at the same time, which they will be, Spring Bowl, USFL-XFL championship game. I like it. Uh, That's been a thing that a few of us have been pitching on Discord. I have an idea.
0: I have an idea as well. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. There is viability for both leagues in the American culture, and here's how you do this. You ready? I'm ready. One league gets Friday, Saturday. One league gets Sunday, Monday.
1: I can work with that.
0: And I am telling you right now that there are enough Americans that are diehard football fans that will sit and watch games, especially if they are of a professional quality, four days in a row.
1: And with the fact that that, as we mentioned earlier, the status of baseball right now.
0: Being up in the air. Well, hopefully by 2023 when the XFL returns, baseball is back. But right. baseball is going to but- take a popularity hit in its return. So the opportunity will be open for both both NFL league,
1: both uh, football leagues to be viable commodities. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing for the USFL, they've got an advantage right now with this lockout, with it being continued. They have the spring to themselves. M- more or less, yeah. And with the fact that they've got plans to get teams in their home markets for 2023, so you will have... New Jersey, Birmingham, Detroit, Tampa Bay.
0: Isn't there talk of expanding from like 8 teams to like 20 like 18
1: teams for the 2023 XFL USFL season? Not from what I've heard and any expansion they wouldn't do it to 18 teams at most they would do it 10. Now, if the USFL and XFL say 2025-2026 were to decide to merge then we'd be talking
0: i think a lot of it will depend on the viability of franchises in the different cities too it's how many of the uh how many of the cities are going to have joint franchises because some of the some of the xfl teams are in um usfl territories the new jersey Hitmen was an xfl team the
1: didn't the xfl have a team in birmingham Oh, the Birmingham or the USFL, the Birmingham Stallions. Wait, if the original XFL, yes. Did. They did. Yeah, they the like... more The more recent reboot, though, did not. But you would okay. still have issues with the XFL 2020, the Tampa Bay Vipers, although there would be talk of them moving to Orlando. The LA Wildcats may be moving to San Diego. The one big sticking point between the USFL and any reboot with the XFL would be the New Jersey Generals and the New York Guardians.
0: Right, because they 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 shied away from the, the from the New Jer from the New Jersey Hitman name when they came back in 2020.
1: Oh yeah. None of the original XFL two thousand one names made it to twenty twenty.
0: Okay, well that makes sense because of the dead franchise. That would make sense. You don't mm-hmm. want that stink of you don't want that stink of defunct on the uh On the new XFL
1: Oh yeah When McMahon rebooted the XFL in 2020 He was like look That was 2001 It didn't work then Then 2020 he had something going Then pandemic He sold Rock came and picked it right on up So we'll see
0: Alright, um, I'm willing to give this a wait and see, and again, this will be an opportunity, especially if they end up doing games on a Thursday for the USFL, that maybe we could chime in with an alternate commentary on a couple of these games as well.
1: I'd gladly be down for it if the opportunity arises.
0: Alright, so before we get to our sport of the week, and you can go ahead and bring up our graphic now. Hey. Before we go ahead and get into this, we will not be having a full conversation about this. If you want to learn more about our sport of the week this week, we have a full in-depth conversation on cricket on a previous edition of Point of Viewer available in the W2M archives and where you watch, listen to all of your favorite W2M network podcasts. All right. With that being said, Mr. Watkins, you've chosen this week's sport of the week. It mm-hmm. is it is cricket. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and give let's go ahead and give everybody watching here a rundown as to what to expect, what to anticipate and things that are currently going on if they're interested in sinking their teeth into the sport. I will allow you the opportunity to take the
1: screen. Well, I am not going to take the screen as is at least for this. Um there was a, there's a little bit of a clip from a tournament that I happen to be watching and that I love. I'm going to go ahead and let this particular clip speak for itself, making sure that I actually have it up on the screen. What's the channel, Eric? not surprised at the pass score, really. So if he does hit that 110 or maybe 115, they can take it. Yeah, for sure. Well, if they think... Hmm. That was the voice... Of the wonderful Mr. Maximo himself, Vinny Sandu. Shout out. If you happen to watch European Cricket League, I know, especially here in the Eastern Time, you're, they're live on YouTube, European Cricket Network. I highly suggest you go there and subscribe. Yes, they've got their big tournament going on right now, the Champions League of Cricket, T10, 3 a.m. Eastern is a very, very tricky time for a lot of people to watch. I understand that. But they have highlights. They have full day's matches, the whole live stream. And they even have games on, especially for this tournament. The last ones of the day are usually 11 a.m. noon is a start time. Very awesome watch. I will say that. Reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable. Plus, they're going towards the last couple of weeks of the tournament. I'll give a breakdown if you would like, but for the sport itself, and the reason why I referenced a couple different things, if you've seen the last season of Brockmire, very hilarious series that was on IFC, one of the main things was saving popularity of baseball and it being taken over by cricket into the United States. And I will also link in. Remember when I said about that one baseball field that was being converted? Mm-hmm. The Texas Air Hogs. Grand Prairie, Texas. USA Cricket. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Did you say Air
0: Hogs or Air Hawks? Hogs. H-O-G-S. Pig
1: silly? Very well. Continue. USA Cricket has decided, you know what? We're going to go ahead and buy this since it's up for sale and the team's not coming back. With the cricket-heavy market in Dallas, of all places, they are converting that ballpark into a full international-level cricket ground complete with stands, training center, and everything else in the hope of hosting international matches especially since we're going to be hosting the T20 World Cup along with the West Indies in 2024.
0: So the intent is to bring international exhibitions to Dallas?
1: Mm-hmm. International okay. exhibitions and hopefully one-day matches because USA Cricket has said they want the ultimate goal for the United States to be a test nation.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Now, I'll give a brief mention of that, the different types of cricket. A test match, which India and Sri Lanka, two of the 12 test-playing nations are actually going as I speak in their first match of the series the first day. Yes, I said the first day because test cricket is usually slotted for five days. There's been a call to make that aligned. For traditional domestic first-class matches and only make it four days, but that's how it is. The point being, to put this in baseball terms, you have two innings in a test match, and the goal is score more runs across both innings while you try to get everybody out. There are 10 wickets, which would be your equivalent of outs. You collect those 10 wickets. And the only way an innings would end without collecting those 10 wickets is if a team decides to declare. They say, we've got three, 400 runs. We're done. You go ahead and you have a bat.
0: We're tired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in essence, because you have had teams declare after literally batting all day, even with drinks, breaks, and a lunch break.
0: The- can I just can I just say yeah. how much I can I just say how much I appreciate that this is
1: a sport that stops for food? Oh yeah, they they literally have like a 40 minute break every day for lunch or dinner if it's a day night match, and they also have a 20 minute break later on for tea because it originated in England naturally. Pinkies up. Of course, in proper English fashion. But for those of you who aren't going to sit and watch an entire four- or five-day match, that's fine.
0: Which would be most of the American populace. Well, that's
1: why you have the popularity of what are called limited overs matches. The longest format of those are one-day matches. For domestically, they would be called list A. Each team, the entire match is done in a single day each team gets 50 overs think of an over as similar to an at bat but it's limited to 6 pitches
0: which means and well th- to put that into perspective for our baseball viewing friends there's no such thing as a foul ball in cricket correct you if so any batted ball in cricket is considered in play
1: you're absolutely correct now you can decide to run or not. And if you decide not to run, then It still counts be... as a pitch. Correct. That is considered a dot ball. The reason why it's a dot is because officially, when a ball scores no runs, instead of the usual zero, you put a dot in the scorecard. Six consecutive dot balls in an over is what's called a maiden. Think of that as far as like an immaculate inning in baseball. An entire over start to finish without conceding a single run.
0: Wouldn't that be like a, wouldn't that be like a three-pitch inning, like a three-pitch half inning?
1: Um, three pitch half inning, an immaculate inning if you get a wicket or two. So an immaculate inning when you strike out the side on nine pitches, think of that oh, as having that's, over-
0: so that's the more official definition of the immaculate inning is the nine pitch strikeout inning. Correct. Gotcha I, I've heard you use that phrase before. I mm-hmm. thought it was three pitches three outs. I didn't realize that it was the uh, I didn't realize that it was the hat trick of K's on three pitches.
1: Correct. So if you were looking at a more closer version of an Immaculate inning in, in cricket, think of like a wicket or a double wicket maiden where you do not concede a run but you also take a couple of wickets or recording outs. Now, in a one-day match, each team only gets 50 overs, so a total of 300 balls faced, and then that's it. You take a 10-minute break, the other team gets to chase. They go ahead and they bat second. Have
0: they ever considered doing those, those number of overs by having them alternate?
1: No. It is always one team has their entire batting, then the next team. Because in the original I, test format, it okay. was you go bat until you either declare or you lose all 10 See, wickets and the other
0: like team that. going back and forth. I don't like that. I think having the two teams alternating at-bats similar to a baseball game would bring much more uh, – I feel like that would bring – like having 10 and then 10 and then 10 and then 10. I feel like that would uh, – basically batting through the lineup with the six-pitch rule on each side.
1: Ah, but here's the rub. You're not typically batting through a traditional lineup. In cricket, if you are up to bat, you bat until you're out.
0: Yes, but uh, under under the limited overs, you get six pitches no matter what, and then it's the next batter.
1: No, even in limited overs, you bat until either you're out or your team's innings is done.
0: So one person could take all 50 overs?
1: well it's highly unlikely because they would see all 300 balls but feasibly they could yes because of the more aggressive nature of limited overs cricket you do not see one batter go ahead and face all 300 balls i would
0: imagine it would i would imagine it would probably be something of a statistical improbability
1: Very much so. You see that more in test cricket to where if you have a very defensive bowler, one that likes to leave a lot of balls, then perfect example, Marnus Labashain in the Ashes, Australia versus England. He hit a ton, scored 100 runs, off 306 deliveries. Whereas in limited overs format, one day, and I'll get through the others, you want to have what's called a higher strike rate. Think of that as more terms of your slugging percentage. The faster, the higher your strike rate, the more you're scoring runs, the better score you build for your team. A typical strike rate in a test match is only 40 or 50, as it's derived as one scored per hundred balls faced. In an ODI or a List A match, you want that to at least be at 100. If you're going into a T20 or a T10 match where you're facing even fewer deliveries, you're not considered a good batsman unless you have a strike rate of at least 150. Now, for those ODIs and List A matches, again, it's over the span of a day. Your shorter matches, like how we play here in the United States, minor league cricket, which started last year. The Silicon Valley Strikers won the first ever minor league cricket title. And then next year, as you go into major league cricket, they will have T20, which are 20 overs aside. Those matches usually wrap up in about three and a half hours-ish. Which is pretty much standard runtime for, like, a football game. And the tournament that I saw or that I watched, the European Cricket League, those games are T10s. Tanovers aside, matches usually wrap up in about an hour and a half.
0: Very time-conducive.
1: Oh, yes. That's why I mean, they have five matches oh. in a single day.
0: I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into cricket, how this may be one of those things we do alternate commentary on at some point just so that way you can like try to help explain everything to me as well as I watch because I will admit my knowledge of cricket is limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, that video that you sent me before, I think would be an excellent piece to include here in order to give people a description of cricket in general, comparing cricket to base uh, comparing cricket using baseball terminology.
1: Yeah, the, I'll put a link to that in the description so people can get a better idea along with what I've said thus far.
0: The one that you sent to me and Brian to watch for POV. I would also recommend you going back, you guys going back and listening to the conversation that Eric, Brian, and I had on Point of Viewer about Cricket as well. I believe that was on either the first or second episode back for Point of Viewer. I think it was the second
1: episode back. I think it was. I'll go back and link to that, if not in the description W two M archives, especially on YouTube. All right,
0: so that'll be an opportunity for everybody to get more information there. Um, so I get to pick next week's sport of the week. You do, and you know what? Since we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know what I'm. You know what I'm going to call for next week's sport of the week, Eric? We're yeah. talking
1: slam ball. Okay, man, I get to go back and watch old slam ball games. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh slam ball was a television exclusive version more or less of basketball that involved trampolines we'll talk more about it next week how i may even have eric throw up some video clips here on the video version of the show so that way everybody can get an opportunity to see what this is like think no holds barred basketball with trampolines involved
1: oh it was so glorious so glorious
0: t, t- uh tnn was onto something with this one shout out to the mob they were my favorite
1: team back in the day. <laughs> uh, where can people find you online, Eric? Well, when I'm not here, allegedly on Soccer to the Max or this fine show, BWSR, you can find me as the disembodied voice Monday nights on League to the Max or whatever with Brian Espinosa as we break down action in the League Championship Series here in North America for League of Legends. Although admittedly i've been watching some of the korean games at his behest and since i got him to watch live cricket in return it was only fair when i'm not on either of those shows life is like a game show now on tuesday nights we're in the middle of prices right month we just had our first episode of the month going into prices right and pop culture and at the beginnings the More or lesser known nowadays, original Price is Right version from the 50s and 60s.
0: Half-hour editions hosted by
1: Bill Cullen at the time. Correct. And when I'm not on any of those shows, you can also find me now Sunday nights on Point of Viewer. This week is going to be interesting. Certain Twitch streamers selling things that even I would buy. And that's a very short list. I saw that, I saw that thing that you guys shared inside
0: of the Discord chat, and I just couldn't help but shake my head. Uh, Wasn't there one of, uh, never mind, not the show for this question, I'll ask on Sunday night.
1: Oh, Brian has already got a potential rant for that in mind, so I'm going to need both disembodied voices to keep each other in line on that one. (laughs) And... If you're sick of seeing me on the network, first of all, why? Second of all, send any hate mail to that regard to Mr. Hate Mail himself at s.garm But alas, if that's your thing, fine. Facebook, Eric Watkins, look for the picture of the guy sitting in the recliner, holding a bottle of wine, or the glass of wine. Twitter, at Squid Sportshead. I've been live tweeting a few different things, and if you happen to slide into my DMs, undergo a strict and thorough vetting process you will be entitled with access to all sorts of different dark media that i'm on but yes also join us on the discord i'm in there quite frequently for all the different shows and stuff
0: hold on a second i have to unplug my tablet because the charger keeps causing that dinging noise that you're hearing
1: also that's what it was
0: it yeah my that was my tablet trying to charge on an insufficient charger so let's go ahead and unplug that. And then that we can continue this year. H-E-B, the Eagle, pretty much everywhere. You know where to find me if you've been listening to these shows long enough. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Messenger, Harry Broadhurst, obviously happy to talk sports or wrestling with anybody. Yeah. Um, We will save the Tony Khan ROH discussion for next week just because that'll give me an opportunity to look more into the details and figure out what's going to happen there. Because I will say as a longtime Ring of Honor fan, I'm worried about what it means for the library and rather or not Honor Club remains a thing. So we'll talk about that more next week. We'll put that on the docket for next week. Gotcha. Because technically professional wrestling is sports entertainment in a sense. So the athleticism involved does kind of uh, Qualify it for this particular show.
1: Plus, with AEW being headquartered here in my neck of the woods and having the ties to it, it's the ep- only
0: fair. The episode of Dynamite where the reveal was made was at Daly's place. Of course, it was. Of course, it was. There you Not go. Not surprised. Again, so it's pretty much ATB the Eagle everywhere you look. So just go ahead and find me on there. Yeah, life is like a game show. doing Prices Right Month Point of viewer with Eric here and now we're doing bwsr um the archived episodes of the kickoff are available on for online for the w2m archive we will be retaining a lot of the kickoff elements during the course of the nfl regular season we will tell you that right now we will have a studs and duds section here on bwsr we will bring back our predict we will keep our predictions going here on bwsr odds are we may even uh we may even do a full season prediction tally, kind of like what Randy and Robert do on the R&R Sports Report. Ooh, because remember, we to be hearing
1: enough of Rancid Randy starting next week. But
0: remember, we did it—not uh, this year, but last year during the pandemic season, where we kept track. We kept track in a Google Doc. I wonder I do who remember. won that contest.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, like Ken Griffey Jr said about the Seattle Mariners in 94. I picked a bad season to have a great year. You did
0: because you were actually doing really well this year when the show ended up going on hiatus. Mm -hmm. We will bring back the predictions. We will bring back studs and duds. We will see what happens with the rest of the show segments. One segment from the kickoff that is remaining, and it's how we're going to close things out here on the BWSR. It's time for Dick of the Week. Oh, uh, Do you want to go first or second on this one?
1: I'll go first because... Naturally, Don't you
0: steal my pick,
1: you sum of the bitch. I'll, I'll reserve because we may have a pick, but my eternal Dick of the Week, just because the show went away doesn't mean my hatred for him did. Mark Lamping, seriously... You're ruining the Jags. Your ass gotta go. I don't care about with all this, with Doug Peterson, the hiring and backing away from the executive vice president plan. You are one of the main problems. You gone. We'll be better off for it.
0: Harry? When you make Roger Goodell look competent... That classifies you for Dick of the Week. Fellow W2M Network member Mark Rattledge of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network has an affinity for a certain Mr. James Cornett. I do not care for Cornett. However, there is a particular phrase that Mr. Cornett likes to use that I have been known to make liberal usage of in the past myself. Manfred, thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Even you if li-
1: you're going to have the A's in Vegas and everything, fuck off with you. You have been listening
0: to the debut edition of the BWSR, the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report, here on the W2M Network, online at W2Mnet.com, and available on all of your favorite podcast listening services iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, Castbox, Google Pod, Apple Pods. What's the one that you just started mentioning, too? the 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 other Over, overcast overcast yep. rate and review us five stars on Spotify and check us out in video format on twitch.tv slash W2M net youtube.com slash W2M network facebook.com by searching for W2M net or w 2 mnetcom and on tick tock by looking for W2M network too. Apparently, that's a thing. Thanks, Rattelage.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I find it weird how TikTok is more of a thing than Discord. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. So please make Discord a bigger thing by joining us. Link is in the description. Thank you. What? 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 what?
0: I, I I have to figure out. There it is right there. What he said. <laughs>
1: it's, it's like the
0: alignment of the computer is off, so... There we go. That's better. Yep. There it is. All right. Um, I think that's everything for this week, Eric.
1: Yep, we've got it all covered. Let me just
0: and within a nice little two-hour bow as well.
1: See, and you thought I was gonna keep going on about cricket. You're welcome.
0: Well, I mean, you get you talking about certain things that you enjoy, and we could be here for a while.
1: Well, I mean, I can't talk about him on here. That's why Point of Viewer exists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's Eric Watkins. I'm Harry Brothers. This has been the debut of the BWSR, a presentation of the W2M Network. We'll see you guys next week here as we get ready for the March Madness, as well as previewing the major conference tournaments in college basketball. Thanks for the Thanks for watching or listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week.